whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm super excited to have my next guest here, Steve Ulsher, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine. And as you all know, I started The Kara Golden Show as, as really a side hustle a few years ago. I was having these incredible conversations with founders and CEOs, and I felt a little guilty not being able to share some of those stories of uh, challenges and and definitely successes and how they got there. But I think what Steve is doing too is really capturing what's out there for people to understand a little bit more about the podcast industry. So I'm really, really excited to have him here. So 
Steve came not from, he didn't just drop on the earth uh, doing uh, magazine and, and podcasting. So he's had a really, really fascinating career in uh, the nightclub scene for years. Uh, for those of you who might have remembered uh, one of them that he was a part of, it was called The Funky Pickle. I can't say that I was ever there, but I I definitely would want to go to that. So, And he was the original chairman and founder of Liquor.com. And we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that. And from uh, my own past, I definitely remember a company called CompuServe. So I was at a competitive company called America Online way back when. So very, very exciting to see that as well. So as I mentioned, Steve is the editor of Podcast Magazine and the creator of Club Pod. It's the largest podcast group on Clubhouse. And a lot of other social media media platforms as well. And uh, he's also an author of a book, What Is Your What? It's a New York Times bestselling book. And he hosts the number one rated podcast called Reinvention Radio. So I am so excited to have this amazing, amazing person on, amazing entrepreneur, amazing disruptor. So welcome, Steve. Well, thank you for having me and thanks for the beautiful introduction. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to the beginning. So I I always like to go back for people because I think so often people think you've always dreamt of being an entrepreneur. You uh, knew that you were going to be a magazine editor. Uh, You knew you were going to do a lot of great stuff. You had a vision that Clubhouse and Club Pod was all going to happen. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, little Steve. Yeah, right. So yes, none and all of those things are true. So, um, you know, I mean, going way, 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 way back when, I think I've just, there's, there's certain people who are just wired in ways that are unexplainable. And I think the entrepreneur is, is it, people talk about, can you teach someone how to be an entrepreneur? Like, is that learnable? I'm going to argue it's not actually learnable. I think it's either ingrained in who you are or or it's not. And I'm just one of those people that, from a very young age, I've always been wired to try to figure out how to rub a couple of dimes together and make a quarter. So it's it's one of those things where I don't think I could have gone about what I've done in my career really any other way. I like to think at some point it would have been interesting maybe just to get a job. And there are still times in my life. I mean, I'm in my uh, early 50s now. And I still think it would be kind of fun and interesting to to maybe go out and and go into the working world and and bring someone else's dream to fruition. But I'm not sure that that's in, you know, on, on, on my particular uh, scorecard there. I just, I don't know, because like, even when, when I was much younger, I mean, like grabbing a shovel to just try to remove snow from sidewalks and driveways and buying a lawnmower and, and, and just, you know, mowing lawns and raking leaves. I mean, this is all pre-teen days, you know, like, like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, it's just such an interesting go how some of us just can't help who we are. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was I was one of those. A great examples of just trying to make a situation better, right? I mean, whether it's uh, raking leaves and clearing a sidewalk and doing the work or another thing that that you did, which was the DJing as a teen and uh, seeing something that you were interested in that you were probably pretty good at. And suddenly you just decided to make something of it. Tell us just a little bit about that. And I guess how it that ultimately led to the funky pickle. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, music is in my it's in my DNA. I mean, you can't put on a, a song with a beat and uh, and and not get my head moving or my foot tapping or something like that. And so, for a, mm, about ten years or so, uh, I played drums growing up, and that led to uh, just really getting into dance music and and just that that whole Chicago house music scene. Uh, being from the Chicago area, I mean, I just that that was. I don't know. My my wife and I often joke that I think in a in a past life we may have been uh, you know a, a, a black preacher couple or something at some point just because like that you know that music we're really attracted to and moved by you know a lot of a lot of just sort of gospel and and house and and soulful type music and so. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family. 
The Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Oh, that led to my getting uh, a pretty interesting ear for the world of music and being able to pick out songs that I really felt like, you know, could just really move someone's soul. And that moved into, uh, as you said, DJing and, and DJing in clubs for a while. And, and ultimately, I really had built up a pretty decent sized following it just felt like the natural next step would be to uh, open uh, a club. And so actually at 19, I opened my own nightclub. And um, and that's that's a story unto itself. And what you learned that I'm sure uh, so much like it sounds great to actually go start a business and then all of a sudden you're in it and so many lessons. But as I always tell people, all of those lessons help you to just be better. Right. And uh Definitely, even if some of them were were pretty tough. So, so liquor dot com. Uh, you went on to found that. Uh, what what year was that? Yeah. So you mentioned AOL, and you know I'm I'm of the my like I'm like you remember the days of going to the grocery store and seeing the disc at the checkout and popping that disc into the computer, and it was AOL or CompuServe or Prodigy or you know whatever you know it was at that moment. And um, and so I, I remember those days really, really clearly. And we had launched uh, a catalog business. Actually, I went into business uh, to work for my family who was in the liquor business already. And so my grandfather had started something called Foremost Liquor Stores back in Chicago. And we had franchise stores in um, about a dozen states or so at our peak there. And after the nightclub business, I went to work for the family. Um, my mom thought it might be a good idea for me to come and help and bring some kind of young blood, so to speak, to, to what was going on there. And there was a very small piece of the puzzle, uh, which was called Liquor by Wire. And basically, Liquor by Wire was way back in the day, I don't know if you remember or not, having a Watts line, but basically like a 1-800 line, you know, they used to call it a Watts line. 
We, uh, so we had a Watts line, 800 number. People would call our office and they'd be like, look, I'm in New York. I just closed a big deal in L.A. I want to send my L.A. counterparts a, a bottle of uh, a Dom or Cristal or whatever that might be, just as a congratulatory gift. And we would use local retailers to make all of those deliveries. So Liquor by Wire was basically like FTD for flowers, right? Except for wine and champagne and spirits and so on. But it existed, but it was just like a really tiny piece of the business. And we would go days without the phone ringing. And then one order would come in and then days without the phone ringing. So it wasn't like this big, big thing. And the first thing that I did when I came on uh, on board is I said, let's let's get a catalog going and let's move into the world of catalogs and start getting some direct mail pieces out. And that was in 91. So when 93 hit and CompuServe, AOL, Prodigy, all those you know companies started coming online, it's like, you know what, let's um, let's jump into this world. And so we launched a, a store on CompuServe's electronic mall in 93. Well, that foray, so I've been online now for almost 30 years. So that foray led to our creation of one of the first 500 fully functional e-commerce sites when we built that in 95. And ultimately, we then picked up the liquor.com domain along with bourbon.com uh, in 1998. And um, want to guess what we paid for liquor.com and bourbon.com, just the domains in, uh, in 98? Any guesses? $5,000. That's very close, actually. 7500 bucks. Yeah, which at the time was a lot of money to us as a small business. So I was with, during that time, I was with, actually before I went to AOL, I was with a little disc company that was a spin out of Apple called Two Market. I don't know if you remember. I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was, there were a few discs out there that were doing shopping. And basically the idea was during the time that you were, doing liquor.com, it was, um, you were very dependent on dial-up services. So uh, Steve Jobs actually had this idea inside of Apple that if you put everything on a disc, that the graphics would be faster. They would load faster. And so there were some uh, people that spun out of uh, Apple to start this company called Two Market. And I joined them to run the business development and ultimately AOL was acquired. Um, so that I joined in 94. And then when I went to AOL, that's when I was running the e-commerce and shopping uh, partnerships for seven years. So all the uh, all that time, it was uh, yeah. And I, and I, and I, I got to tell you, you know, I mean, a part of me is jealous of of that career path because I I do think there's something to be said for going and working for a company for a period of time where you can really understand their systems and their processes and their ways of thinking and their teamwork and their incentivations and just like incentivizations and just like the way that they work with their with their team with their you know with their vendors et cetera et cetera which probably has given you a lot of the insight and abilities that you have to be as successful as you've been as an entrepreneur right so it's just like in hindsight, it might have been more interesting and maybe even I would have had better results if I had worked in CompuServe as opposed to just simply being an entrepreneur, so so to speak, under the CompuServe umbrella. So it's, I mean, it is it, it is an interesting way to look at it. I'm sure you learned a ton from those days. Well, I think that the the big, you know, thing about about AOL is, you know, people look back on it and, you know, some people don't even think it was some people thought it was the internet. Some people don't even consider it the internet, What, whatever. But when I was there, it was, you know, around a hundred 
people in the company. And then it ended up to be, so I think like the biggest thing that I saw was, I mean, it was the wild west, right? We had no idea what we were doing. People were at getting added constantly. It was, uh, we were making mistakes because there was this theory, if we don't try, then we won't succeed. You know, it was such an, a nutty time. And, and, uh, it was, uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it was 1-800-Flowers were my clients. Uh, I, I knew a, Jim and Chris really well. Yeah, and uh, and Omaha Steaks, and and uh, we couldn't get Borders or Barnes & Noble to partner with us initially. So I heard about this guy starting a bookstore in Seattle and flew up there and, and built bookshelves with them. You know, we were very scrappy, right? And I think... Um, but we did, you know, have money behind us as as a basically Steve had raised a lot of money and Ted. And so it was a it was a very exciting time to be able to be there more than anything. But what do you think is the key thing you learned about it? I mean, liquor, it's interesting hearing you describe that experience, too, because definitely there's uh, challenges in terms of shipping when most people think about it. But you really used you know, the network similar to, like you said, the FTD and the local markets, which is incredible. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I mean, the, the lessons learned, and I'm uh, quite a number of them for sure, not the least of which is we actually had the S1 filed and we were ready to go public uh, with that company in March of 2000. And obviously, if you remember, you know, March of 2000, that was sort of the beginning of the end as far as that implosion goes. But being in my 20s at the time. And uh, I mean, just Wall Street was pretty insistent on seeing sort of these lettered saviors come and, and help take us to the promised land. You know, the CEOs, the CTOs, the CFOs, the WTFs, you know, all these people that we needed to, to bring in in order to go public, right? And it was a tactical error uh, on our part where we literally signed away our management rights to the business in order for us to be able to go public because they didn't feel as though, you know, we had the chops to to really run a, a publicly traded company. Now, I'm not sure that they were wrong necessarily, but when I look back on it, you know, it was, it was truly a, a huge tactical error, right? Because we were so blinded by that dot-com light and blinded by all the promises. I mean, this, this is, you, you got to kind of understand that these are the days where like ideas on a napkin are getting funded with millions and millions of dollars. So here we are with all of the, you know, all of the quote-unquote heavy lifting was done, the phrase of the day, right? I mean, like we had this whole infrastructure in place. We had a category killer domain. We were doing millions in revenue. We just needed to scale, and so we felt like this was an absolute no-brainer, sign away the rights, no big deal. And ultimately, we'll go public and everybody will, will, will make you know, a ridiculous amount of money. So, yeah, I mean, that was certainly one of the, the first lessons learned there is, is just never hand over the reins to your baby to, to someone else as an entrepreneur, especially an entrepreneur who has gained any degree of traction uh, in the way that we, that we gained. And it's, it was a, it's a painful, painful story because from 91 to 2000, yeah, you know, that was nine years of my life that I dedicated to building that company and literally had nothing to show for it when we couldn't get out because it became very clear they had no clue what they were doing. The people that we brought in to take us to this promised land uh, and my hands were completely tied. And so I walked away from everything, including the domain. I was able to reclaim the domain and then we ended up selling the whole thing to Barry Dillers IAC, which is a very interesting story all on, on to itself there. But... I literally was handcuffed at that point. I couldn't do anything. 
Yeah, but it's such a great point. I mean, people ask me all the time about the raising money and and scaling and and uh, making these decisions, how they happen. And I I totally relate to what you're saying. And and uh, you know, it's definitely uh, it's a challenge. And um, but again, lessons learned along the way in in the journey. So you wrote a best selling book. What is your what? So what is that one thing and how do people find that? So let me just simply say this, that after the implosion of liquor.com, I had to try to figure out obviously what I was going to do with my life, having a wife, kids, you know, I just had, you know, something had to be done to put food on the table. So I ended up getting involved in real estate development after that developed uh, over the next nine years or so over $50 million in, uh, in, in different projects, residential, commercial, office, retail, for sale, for rent, et cetera, et cetera. And then I woke up one day and I, and I really just came to the conclusion that everything that I had been doing at that point was of benefit to me and those closest to me, but really no one else. And so it was just like, okay, let me try to figure out how can I do something that's not just so driven by the all, almighty dollar? And how am I naturally wired to excel? What does that really look like? And having taken the Myers-Briggs and the What Colors Your Parachutes and the Strengths Finders and so on and the various modalities that are designed to help you figure out those answers, those modalities really left me with more questions than answers. You know, it's all well and good to know that if I walk into a room and there's a conversation going on, you know, in this corner about finance, in this corner about technology, in this corner about sports, in this corner you know, about, yeah, I don't know, business or something like that. That's all well and good. And that's very cute. But all I'm thinking when I walk into that room is, you know, where's the door and how do I get out of here? You know what I mean? So it's just like that didn't land on me in a way that was really helpful. So as I was trying to answer my own question about what it is that I'm, I'm really here to do and, and how can I leverage the natural gifts that I've been given to, to not only impact those who share this lifetime with me, but also those of lifetimes to come, I knew there had to be a, a, a better, simpler, faster answer. And so ultimately, the book, What Is Your What, uh, is a reflection of those, that search and that, that process of discovery. And the What Is Your What framework really just boils down to having clarity on your core gift, because all of us have a core gift, whether it's protecting or enrolling or communicating or teaching or healing or whatever it might be. There's one specific gift that we have that stays consistent with us throughout our lives. And then the question is, what is the primary vehicle that we're going to use to share that gift? So let's just say, hypothetically, your you know, healing is your, is your natural talent. Again, it's what's in your DNA. It's how you're naturally wired to excel. And maybe the vehicle you use to share that gift is perhaps something like massage or, or therapy, or maybe you're a practitioner or something of that nature. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle, yeah, it really is becoming clear on the people who you are most compelled to serve. And the important phrase there is most compelled to serve. And so it's really a combination of the gift, the vehicle, and the people that make up the what is your what framework. And most people will go through their entire life without having clarity around one piece of that puzzle, let alone all three. And I'll stop there and let you unpack it a bit. This episode of The Kara Golden Show is sponsored by FunJet Vacations. You know, one of my favorite feelings in the world is being on vacation and forgetting what day it is. 
That's when I know I've hit the optimal vacation mode. We're all hustling day in and day out. It's easy to keep plowing through, putting our vacations and break time on hold. But here's what I want to remind you all. After a crazy work year, it's time to stop and take the time now that you need and deserve and make some new memories. This is where FunJet Vacations comes in. It's your one-stop shop for all of your vacation needs, including the flights, hotels, transfers, and those fun excursions along the way. It's super fast and easy to book a FunJet vacation, too. You can pick from hundreds of destinations from the Caribbean, Mexico, Hawaii, Las Vegas, or Florida. And they've delivered friendly, reliable service for over 45 years, giving you the peace of mind you need to make your vacation with them. For a limited time, my listeners can use promo code FJ50 for $50 off your next FunJet vacation. Get more moments that are fun expected. Surprise yourself with where you could go at funjet.com or call your local travel advisor too. Again, get $50 off your next FunJet vacation when you use the promo code FJ50. Restrictions apply. This episode of The Kara Golden Show is sponsored by Wix. We all know that first impressions are everything, and making sure that your brand's website looks and works terrific is so key. When I'm visiting a website, I want to see that the site looks great and is easy to use. A bad website can really hurt a business, so it's key to focus on making yours the best it can be. That's where Wix comes in. Wix is the leading drag-and-drop website creation platform. Use Wix and build that website you've been dreaming about easily and quickly. Wix is the do-it-yourself for websites. Easily create a great website without the agency price tag and with no coding background required. Whether you are looking to create a website for your business, side hustle, or simply want to elevate your personal brand, Wix is the answer and can help you build the site that you will be proud of. Wix works great with all the tools you'll need to stand apart for SEO and payment solutions to boot. Want to get started? Head over to Wix.com and create your website today. That's Wix.com to join over 200 million people who already use Wix. Again, that is Wix.com. I love that because I think it's... uh, Look, I I think whether you have to reinvent yourself because you've been forced to make a new career choice, or maybe you're sitting in your spot and you're kind of bored. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot about when I was leaving AOL is that when it hit a billion dollars in revenue to AOL and I had a couple hundred people in my team, I thought, is this it? And I, I just was a little itchy right? Everybody was coming to me versus me actually learning anymore. And and I, I couldn't define that, but definitely I needed to find my why. And I had, you know, three kids at the time. I soon was pregnant with my fourth. And I thought I care about my kids a lot, but I also really cared about health. And I cared about like lots of things. And I I knew that the stuff that I was uncovering around health was educational for so many. And so that's ultimately how I came up with the idea for Hint, that I wanted a drink that didn't have sweeteners in it. And it was, you know, this was 17 years ago when everybody was drinking vitamin water and thought that it was super healthy, didn't have a lot of sugar in it or anything. And I was, I felt like 
that was really my what and and my why. And so I definitely think your framework speaks to so many. And it's a great book. It's uh, an absolutely awesome book for anybody to pick up who's trying to figure it out and, uh, and or figure it out also for your your college kids, right? Help them kind of pull out too. That's what I felt like that was also another space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely helpful for for folks at any age. And and I will say this, that the, and the interesting thing about the what is your what framework and, and the process around this is that it is organic and it is fluid and it is evolving. When, when, when you look at the subtitle of, you know, discover the one amazing thing you were born to do, perhaps the more apropos subtitle is discover the one amazing thing you were born to do for now, right? Because as we grow and as new things emerge from us or as new things come into our, our lives, you just never know what tomorrow is going to bring in terms of how you leverage the gift that you've been, that you've been given. I'll, can I share a quick example yeah, with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so a quick story. Um, so there's a gentleman who I really admire, lives in the city of Chicago, his name is Johnny Emmerman. And so Johnny for years was a commercial real estate broker. And he his his main gift was so again, if we just look at the gift of vehicle and the people, his main gift is enrolling. That's what he's really good at is enrolling people into the vision. Hey, here's a here's a real estate mm, opportunity here. I want to enroll you into the vision of here's how you can use the space, here's why it might be a good development opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's what he had done for a number of years. And then one day he was in the shower, he was bathing and he was cleaning himself and he felt something in the nether regions that he hadn't felt before. And he went to go get that checked out. Well, it turned out that he had a very advanced form of testicular cancer and it just appeared to him, you know, sort of out of the blue and it was already fairly advanced by the time he went to his doctor and said, hey, you know, what, what's going on here? Well, obviously, given the circumstances, they said, look, we need to address this right now. And so he went in for treatment and obviously surgery and, you know, doing what they needed to do and chemotherapy and et cetera, et cetera. And one of the reasons why he believes he was able to uh, eventually have a, a complete recovery from this is because when he was going through the process, he was surrounded by people that he loved and, and that loved him. So friends, family, he was always surrounded by people that truly cared for him and, and gave him the support that he needed. But there were times where he would be alone and friends and family wouldn't be there. And he was walking around the cancer ward of the, of the facility at the hospital. And he would see people who were going through it alone. And they were suffering through their own recovery, their own trials, their own tribulations of dealing with cancer alone. And he swore to himself that if he ever beat this cancer, that he would make sure that people wouldn't have to suffer alone. And he would do something to be able to help those people who may not have their own support systems in place. So fast forward to a couple of years later, Johnny started something called Immerman Angels. And what Immerman Angels does is it matches people who are cancer sufferers with people who are cancer survivors. So in other words, you know, your friends and family may know you, love you, want to support you and whatnot, but they don't really know what you're going through in terms of where you are in that. And so what Immerman Angels does 
is it matches someone who has had the exact same issue as you around your same age and pairs you up so that you can actually then be in communication with someone who has gone through this. They know what you've been through and they can provide support and love for you. So as just play this out for me uh, with me for just for one second. So when you think about his core gift, so his core gift of enrollment and enrolling didn't change the vehicle that he was using in terms of the primary vehicle who was using to support, you know, to share that gift, so to speak was, was real estate. And then the people that he was most compelled to serve were people who either needed property or were selling or leasing property. And those are the people he was serving. Well, the gift I believe stays consistent throughout your entire life. So that's why you look at the book cover, you see it's in the DNA strand. I mean, the gift of enrolling stays with you, or in this case with Johnny for his entire life. But the, but the vehicle that he's using is now different. So that's more fluid. That's more organic. The, the vehicle, it now becomes Immerman Angels. And the people that he's most compelled to serve are the people who are afflicted with this terrible disease, right? And so organic, more fluid, evolves over time. And so ultimately, yes, whether you're in college or whether you're, you know, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, it's always a good idea to revisit where you are and what you're doing. And are you truly aligned with what puts fire in your soul? And the framework can certainly help with that. I love it. And helping people, right? I think that when you see a space that, you know, caused a lot of challenges for you and then you and then you commit to fixing it in some way. That's really incredible. So in 2018, you started Podcast Magazine. So yeah. you had never been an editor before. How did this come about? I love it. Oh, man. Right. So I'm sitting there and uh, let me think about this for a second. So it was um, so it was, it was actually 2019 because our first issue came out right around the, the time the pandemic hit. So it was around 2019, 2018, now, whatever it was. And I had been a podcaster and still am a podcaster for a number of years. Uh, matter of fact, we released our first episode of Reinvention Radio back in 2009. And so, you know, I've always had a love for audio. I always had a love for podcasting. And I was sitting at, a, at an event, you know, one of those conferences you go to, and I was just inspired by what was going on there and just thinking about new ideas. And, and it occurred to me, I was like, well, it seems kind of odd that given where we're at in the, it, with the growth of the medium and how things have been evolving over time with podcasting, like what, why isn't there sort of the, the rolling stone, if you will, for the world of podcasts, right? Why isn't there the Sports Illustrated of podcasting or the Vanity Fair of podcasting, et cetera, the Wired of, of podcasting? And it's like, it's got to be like a podcast magazine, right? Someone who's out there doing this and doing whatever they can to really shed light on the industry and introduce people to new shows and take people beyond the microphone with people that they know and love and have heard from a million times, but really don't know their, their personal stories as much as they could. And the, the more that I dug, the more I saw that there were a couple of attempts over time, but no one was really doing anything that was quote unquote podcast magazine, unquote specific, right? So I was like, I don't know anything about this industry. Uh, I don't have a clue if it makes any sense to zig while everyone else is zagging. I think a, a magazine about podcasting is pretty ironic in the in the scheme of things. But I figured, you know, this it, it just doesn't make sense to me that this doesn't exist. And 
I don't know if I'm, I'm more preemptive as an entrepreneur or what I am, but it's just like I didn't want to I didn't want to go to sleep, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now and see that someone else had done it and know that I had that idea first and didn't do anything with it. So, yeah, we, we launched our, our first uh, issue in February uh, of 2020, right, actually right before the pandemic fully hit there. And we're just about to uh, to get to our second year here. So what for those people who maybe don't uh, follow a lot of podcasts beyond the Kara Golden show, uh, what what do you see as the biggest kind of trend in podcasts? I mean, there's thousands of, of podcasts out there. Like, what do you think is the, the biggest thing that you've seen? Obviously, in 2009, you were probably one of the only ones out there, right? It's you've seen quite a bit. I mean, where where do you think that industry has gone and is headed. So it's interesting and and you can appreciate this as, you know, the type of entrepreneur that you are and the things that you've seen over the years. For us to be where we're at and, and meaning as an industry and only be at roughly, uh, you know, a total market value so to speak of around a billion dollars in terms of ad revenue for as long as this industry has been here, I, I will say that's actually a bit concerning. The, the, the trend line that I'm seeing is the bigger getting bigger, and then the, and uh, it is just much, much, much harder to compete uh, unless you're aligned with one of the big networks. Uh, it's truly hard. I mean, it's almost impossible to break into uh, the top of the charts. The charts are dominated by money shows, and so money shows in terms of money for production or money for talent or or, or money for marketing. And so it is truly a case uh, of the the one tenth of the one percent really garnering you know eighty percent or, or or more of the attention and the downloads, the listens, and the revenue. And so that's a concern. And I will I will tell you, obviously, a huge advocate of the industry. Something has to change in, in that regard. And unless you're a, a true crime show or, or com, you know, a comedian who's just putting out a podcast, it's tough. I mean, a talking head show like this, really, really hard to gain traction with. A show about any sort of you know, particular niche is really, really hard to gain major traction with. But at the same token, I will say that if we can get past the, the numbers and simply look at it in terms of the value that a particular show brings to the table. And I do believe that as a producer, as a host, et cetera, if you think about it from the standpoint of talking to one particular listener, and you're thinking about it in terms of how can I add real meaningful value around a very specific subject, I think that that's going to give you a, a much higher likelihood of success because then you're not tying yourself to having to compete in uh, an arena where you're really going to have difficulty competing. So in, in this case, I mean, the, the sort of the more niche, the better. And you're just going to see that there's, there's going to be very little middle ground. There's going to be shows that are very, very, very niche, and they're going to do well within those respective markets. And the mainstream shows are basically just going to be sort of a, another piece of the puzzle for someone who already has a tremendous following elsewhere. And a podcast is just a piece of that. No, absolutely. Uh, so you also created Club Pod, so largest podcast group on Clubhouse. How is obviously Clubhouse during the pandemic? Uh, you know, it was just boom. And do you feel like it's uh, 
there's more to come from Clubhouse. I mean, I know Twitter has started theirs. I mean, there's Slack, I think, as well, like lots of other... Yeah, Discord has live audio and other channels. Yeah, for sure. And so what I would say is, and, and again, given your background and where you were at in terms of the early years of some things, you can appreciate this. What we're talking about in the world of social audio is we're really talking about a, a brand new communication channel. We're talking about a brand new piece of technology, really, when you come right down to it. And anytime you introduce a new consumer habit, a new way that we're asking people to consume something and to allocate their time and their energy to something, that's a pretty big ask, right? This isn't like we're just putting on another television channel and asking someone to sit in front of the TV like they're already doing and just push a button and go to a different channel. We're now asking people to say, here is something completely different. And I'm going to not do this because I'm now doing that, right? And so social audio, again, ebb and flow, like any new technology. And you're going to see that, yeah, there's going to be months where the numbers are going to be not so great. And there's going to be months where it's going to be like, okay, these are, these are like the good old days, so to speak, of when it first came out. I honestly believe that uh, Clubhouse, I think they're going to do some pretty impressive things. I don't see them going away. Uh, and the numbers actually support that if they can survive sort of the downturn, uh, so to speak, over the last you know, few months here of the summer, you know, sort of that summer of love of people, as people were calling as we came out of that pandemic, the, the numbers in October and November and even in the first little bit here of December are actually really encouraging if you're a fan of Clubhouse and, and social audio. So I would simply say double down on your efforts if you had been using it and forgot about it or just decided it wasn't worth it because the people are there and, and, they're, and, and they're coming back in droves. So uh, I, I don't think we need to, to put the tombstone up, up on them yet. Yeah, well, I, I think about this too, that people aren't going back to the office in full force yet either. So while they're not, I think they are trying to find that community. And and uh, and community, I think, is clearly not just about writing. Sometimes things don't always get said uh, that well in writing. And I think that people really do want uh, that voice interaction. I, and so I, I totally agree with you. It's uh, It definitely is. There's something there. Um, as an industry and and whoever, uh, just the fact that there's so many people cropping up and competition, it makes me believe too that there's possibilities there. So, well, I absolutely loved this interview, Steve, and I'm I'm uh, you know incredibly impressed with with all that you've done and uh, in different industries. And it seems like even though you've had some challenges along the way. You've also created some amazing, amazing things that you should be super proud of and are really, really interesting and are definitely somebody to look towards as uh, for their learning. So where do people find you and find out more about what you're up to? Well, I mean, we, we talked about what is your what quite a bit. I would say people can just go to whatisyourwhat.com and grab a, a copy there. Uh, or my email is always open. Always happy to chat. Just steve at steveolsher.com and uh, always happy to chat. And just one last thing I will say, also, don't sleep on Web3 because Web3 is real, folks. And I've, and I've been at the forefront of things throughout my entire career. And I will tell you, uh, and that's what we're helping people do now is really launch into the world of, of Web3. This is not a fad. 
and uh, and it's super exciting. And I, and, I'm, and I haven't been as excited about something as much as I am about the world of Web3 in, 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 in a long time. So lots of fun, interesting opportunities there for sure. And how do you, just for people who are not familiar with Web3, how would you define it? Ooh, okay. Well, let's go for another two couple minutes. So real fast, Web1, read only, right? So you go on AOL, you read it, you can't do much with it. And it's just a site, you read it, there you go. Maybe you push an add to cart button. That was Web1, read only. Web2 is all about read write. So now you actually can get involved with user generated content, right? UGC, you look at Facebook, that sort of thing. Somebody puts up a picture, sweet, you can comment on it. Put up your own picture, that sort of thing. You can actively participate. So you can look at Web2, uh, as read write. Now we can be involved in that conversation. Web three is read write and also ownership. So now not only do we have the ability to to read and write and participate, but we also have the ability to own what it is that we help to create. So you know people support what it is that they help to create, and I will tell you that you know whether it's NFTs or or DAOs or uh, let's just call them creator coins or cryptocurrency. I mean, there's obviously a lot that falls under the Web3 umbrella. But at the end of the day, it's really all about involving the community in what it is that you're doing, not in a way where you're just pushing things at them, but they're co-creating, they're co-contributing, and they're co-benefiting from all of these new possibilities that didn't currently exist, largely because it's built on the on the backbone of the blockchain which makes so much of this possible. And that is a conversation that I get really excited about perhaps for another day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's uh, definitely super great to hear you talk about this. And you also talk about this on Reinvention Radio, which, as I mentioned before, is uh, an incredible podcast that everyone should go have a listen to if you haven't already. So thanks again, Steve. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We're here every Monday and Wednesday, talking to amazing founders and uh, disruptors, reinventors, uh, super interesting stuff on the Kara Golden Show. Please subscribe if you haven't already and uh, definitely give this a five-star rating too on your favorite platform that you're listening to podcasts on. And you can also follow me on all social channels at Kara Golden with an I. And if you haven't picked up a copy of my book, I hope you'll do it. It's called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, which um, launched, I can't even believe, a year ago. And uh, that's been a lot of fun to hear people's responses from that. And uh, if you get a chance, please write me and let me know what you think. And thank you everybody again for listening and spending your time with us and have a great rest of the week. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. 
You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.